Yo, Fly Perspective Podcast. Let's jam. I'm back at you again. This is how we gonna kick it off on a Wednesday. Two days before Valentine's Day, baby. And I ain't got nothing coming for. I'll tell her just like this. Let's get it. Like that, we doing it like that, man. Fly Perspective Podcast on a February 12th on a Wednesday, man. Gap Band, uh, Oops Upside Your Head from 1979. I'm thinking that might have been they first, uh, like, like a, a club chant. You know how we used to have chants in the club, you know, that tether club, but you know, um, or, or head buster or knuck if you but like that song, it ain't saying that, but Oops Upside Your Head the whole time, and then you got Charlie Wilson, he just like talking shit. You know what I mean? Like, throughout the whole song, with, and then the hook come on, that oops upside your head with a funky-ass beat. So when that dropped in the club, that might have been one of their first chant beats. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, man, Fly Perspective Podcast, we back at another one. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, shout out to everybody. Uh, I don't know what you're doing. I am sitting here at 6.19 in the morning. Uh, hold on, let me get the phone on silent. 6.19 in the morning, I'm feeling uh, energized, feeling great, feeling good. Um, I had bought one of those uh, heavenly Chick-fil-A salads yesterday, and I was like, I knew I wanted to eat one, uh, so I had it just in the refrigerator. Man, and I ate that boy about an hour ago, and I feel great. I'm about to hit the gym, probably where I ate this morning, get the blood going, get some stuff going, get you know, get get, the, get some things moving around here, you understand? Uh, one thing that did happen yesterday that was crazy, man, and kind of disappointing and it might be an eye opener to you is uh, like when you buying a car, for example, and you go to uh, like try to get the warranty situation together. And of course, when you buy a new car, you have the manufacturer's warranty and then you can get an extended warranty. Or if you're buying a car that is still under the manufacturer's warranty and you have time left on it and you buy an extended warranty, make sure you read that paperwork. And I say that to say this. I have bought a car back in 2016 uh, I got the extended warranty up to 100,000 miles, so that I thought. I go to the dealership the other day to get an oil change, and what does it behold? 
the guy's like, oh, the warranty expired on this car on September 2019. And I was like, nah, I got the extended warranty. It's up to 100,000 miles. And he's like, well, you know, kind of on some like, well, I hate to break it to you. It's 100,000 miles or up until this date. <laughs> I'm like, what? You know what I'm saying? So, ah, you know, it's always something, man. That was a waste of money buying an extended warranty that I never used. But uh, it is what it is, man. You know, um, make sure you guys look out for those situations with anything, with contracts and just whatever, man. You know, it's always something, man. It's always some fine print. It's always something to try to knock you out the game. Um, we back on tax season, and uh, I have still not followed, uh, filed my taxes. Uh, I'll file them before the deadline, but, uh, you know, like I always say, I ain't too too happy about taxes, man. I don't understand how that stuff is calculated, and I don't understand how I owe all the time, even though they take so much money from me. But that's neither here nor there. Um, let's see what I got on the docket for today. So, other day I'm at the gym. And uh, it's a young lady I see at the gym that works there all the time. And I'm like, okay, you know, every time I come in, she kind of, you know, smiles or something or say something about the beard or, hey, I like your beard or, you know, kind of flirt a little bit, whatever, whatever. I'm like, okay. You know, I can see she kind of young. You know, I'm 31, I'll be 32 in May. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, you know, maybe she like early 20s or something. You know what I mean? You know, a little young one, whatever. So one day I'm leaving out. And uh, she's like, hey, how are you? I'm like, oh, I'm good. How are you? She's like, oh, just school's been kicking my ass, da 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 been studying, blah, blah. I said, oh, what are you taking up in school? She says, oh, no, I'm still in high school. I'm 17. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> so that was like, man, one of them, like, uh, I don't even know what to even call it. Like, one of them, like, bro, I'm getting old moments. Like, I'm thinking this girl is, like, in her 20s, and she's not even 18 yet, choosing. Man, side note, got her working in a gym. Like, with all that testosterone that she see in there every day, I'm sure some of them old heads being there trying to holler because, you know, niggas don't care about age, man. <laughs> but I was just like, damn, bro. Like, she didn't look 17 at all. It reminded me of um, the Mace song uh, from uh, the Feel So Good album. No, the Harlem World album, uh, I Need to Be. Yo, Cardin, come here. Let me school you to some Yo, shit. what up, duh? Remember that girl you said was 19, son? Yeah, I remember that She shorty. was not 19. Word? She is. She Nigga, 19. I followed her to school. That's how I know. Nigga, I followed her to school. You know. Yo, I don't sure. be into that. Classic joint for Mace Harlem World. And um, speaking of Mace, uh, Mace, uh, he took the social media, um, let's see, around Grammy time, where... Uh, Diddy had released a speech about doing right by black culture and this, this, and that. Long story short, Mace wanted his piece of the pie as far as his royalties and his publishing or whatever. And uh, basically broke down the situation when Mace signed a bad boy uh, when he was 19. Um, basically, he sold his publishing to Diddy for $20,000, and Diddy knew about it. So until this day, Mace sees no money on his publishing. Which publishing is the way, as an artist, you can make money for the rest of your life by living off the sales of your music. I guess, well, hence today, it would be the streams of your music. So, uh, Mace had approached Diddy, asked him to, you know, sell it to him for t $2 million. Diddy told him no. And that went into a back-and-forth debacle. Uh, I don't think that Diddy said anything publicly. But apparently him and Mace talk, and um, yeah, 
So Diddy wouldn't sell it to him. And you're thinking like, well, you know, Diddy and Mace, they were cool. They were this, they were that. And it, it breaks my heart to see the, this, you know, the uh, confusion of it because Pub Daddy and the family, I don't know what year it was. That was my first concert I ever went to, front row. And I might have been in like the sixth grade, something like that. Yeah. So it breaks my heart because, you know, Diddy always been on one of my role models as far as music industry goes and uh, businessmen. And Mace always been one of my favorite rappers because that was like one of the first albums I ever got a hold to. And I used to listen to it like crazy. But on the contrary, what we don't know is um, back before Mace retired, Diddy had signed Mace for like another couple albums gave him, you know, a seven-figure deal, you know, in advance or signing bonus, whatever. He got, you know, millions of dollars to do a couple more albums on Bad Boy and never did them. So that's why it's, like, kind of in limbo, in my opinion, of, like, well, what do you think? We don't really know what happened. We just know what Mace says. But at the same time, we know the facts about did he sign in Mace to another contract and he never... uh made good at his promise so in a business sense yeah i wouldn't sell you your publishing either if i gave you millions of dollars and you never came back to do you know an album that's just me though you know like i said i hate to see that because diddy and mace two of my favorite people but you know hey business is business and friendship is friendship now the other day i was at work and um a lot of people saw a status that I recently made on Facebook because uh, when it happened, man, I took the Facebook and just, you know, just vented really fast about the situation. But it was a lot. It, it was it was some, about something that people can relate to, it was, you know, something in the workplace. The other day I was at work and um, I got into it with a supervisor over absolutely nothing. Like it was like I'm talking about the most minute situation, man, um, you know. And things went from zero to 100 real quick, but I just remained calm because I could just tell, like, that woman wasn't mad at me. It wasn't nothing that I did. That woman was mad at whatever the hell she had going on with her life or with her job or whatever she had going on. It wasn't me, but she took it out on me. You know what I mean? So far as to, uh, I can write you up for uh, refusing to do, but I mean, all this extra, and it's just like, bruh. It got to the point that the shop steward got involved and this, this, and that. And I just told her, like, that whatever that was was just a personal situation on her end because I really don't understand what all the extra hoopla was about. You know what I'm saying? And, and secondly, the way she thought she was just going to talk to me. Like, first of all, it's a supervisor that I'm older than. Like, I'm like five years older than this woman. You know what I'm saying? Why are you talking to me like I'm your kid or something, number one? Number two, I came at you calm, asked you a question, and you popped off. And it wasn't no question like I was coming for her or this and that. I asked her simply, hey, um, is it okay if I move to a different area because our machine was down and go to this certain area? Now, one, I work in a warehouse. I won't say what because I don't want you know my business or <laughs> my place of employment on this podcast. But I work in a warehouse. There are different docks in the warehouse, right? There are docks that are inside the building that are warmer and docks on the outside of the building that are outside where the people that work outside have snowsuits on. I work on the machine. That's my bid. I'm a regular employee. I work on the machine. I come to work this day. I have on a hoodie and a vest. I dress in layers because I'm on a machine so I can take off layers if depending on the temperature that's inside the building, right? That's smart. Okay. So... I have on a hoodie and a vest, 
and I'm working the machine. The machine goes down. We run out of supplies that we were running on that machine. The supervisor says, hey, I need you to go. Oh, such and such wants you to go to the outside dock and work. And I'm like, well, hold on. I don't work on the outside dock because my bid is on this machine, number one. Number two, if I'm working on a dock, I'd prefer to work on the inside of the machine. Now, a little backstory. You know, they play on words about seniority at this place. Now, I have seniority over a number of people over there. So I wasn't understanding why I was being moved to an outside area that I don't work in that other people do and people that have lower seniority are not going. So when I asked the supervisor, hey, I prefer to work blah, 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 or hey, can I work another area? It just went zero to 100. And I'm asking, well, hey, you know, you got people that aren't regular employees working on blah, 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 blah. On top of that, I have on a vest and a hoodie. That's not my problem. That's not, I'm talking just start going crazy on me. And I'm just remaining calm. And I'm just like, yo, there's a person with lower rank over in such and such. Can I go? Nah, it ain't no level of seniority. Okay, well, you motherfuckers lie then. Because I've been moved in different areas before based on you are the lower, I mean, the, the verbatim. You are the lower rank, so you need to go do X, Y, and Z. So all of a sudden, it's a problem when I want to move to a different area because I have a higher rank than somebody. Now all of a sudden, there's no higher rank or lower rank or level of seniority. So, fast forward to another supervisor ended up moving me on the inside. Just like, yo, just go work on the inside, blah, blah, blah. This other supervisor who has higher rank than her, she goes above her head and tells her, no, tells the the shop steward to tell me that I have to go to the outside dock based on some type of contractual blah, 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 this, this, and this about moving employee. I told the shop steward, I said, no, that's not what it is. This is a personal thing. It's a personal thing because... She wanted me to go to a colder area when she can clearly see that I'm not dressed for that. And when the other supervisor compromised and moved me, she wanted to flex her muscle like, nah, I want this motherfucker to go outside and be cold. For what reason? I don't know, bro. But at the same time, I remain calm, man. You know, then I told the shop steward that or whatever, and she understood where I was coming from, which, you know, that's that can only do so much when you work in these union jobs. You know, there's always a way these supervisors can get over and do blah, 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 blah. But it's like, at the end of the day, bro, I'm not no fool. And like I told the one supervisor that was supervising me on the machine, not the lady that was talking all the shit, supervising me on the machine, I told her, it says, I tell her, I come to work every day. I do my job. I respect you guys. Why is she talking to me like she doesn't have any respect for me? Now, mind you, I haven't talked to this lady in months. This not even like the everyday supervisor that's down on our floor doing anything, blah, blah. Yes, I've met her before. Yes, I've heard different things. I've seen her get into it with people, talk crazy to people, all kinds of shit like that, bro. And on top of that, you younger than me and you want to talk to me like I'm your son. I remain calm, man. You know, because you got to understand what battles to fight. And you got to understand that sometimes people want a reaction. And you got to understand that sometimes people are acting on impulse. They want a reaction out of you because they want to do some shit. You know what I mean? And try to fuck with you. That's what you got to realize. You know? And people deal with situations like this every day in the workplace. Especially with jobs that they don't like or jobs where they're mistreated or overworked. Or they feel like they're underpaid or they're undermined or underappreciated. You know? And lastly... 
I feel like, man, with any job, when you're dealing with people and you're going to manage people, you need to go through a certain amount of training so you can know how to deal with people. What if I was a lunatic and you come talking crazy to me and I came up and I set it off in that motherfucker? You dig? Because you don't know what I got going on in my life, my everyday life. You don't know what I'm going through at this, you know, the certain moment. You don't know uh, my mind frame. None of that. I could just snap at any moment and you come talking. That could have been the last straw in my life to where I'm just, I'll snap and go crazy in that bitch. You understand what I'm saying? You got to be careful how you treat people, man. Really. You really have to be careful how you treat people. That's why, personally, I've always been this type of person. When I've noticed crazy people, from school to any job I've ever had, I go and make friends with them. Because I'm not about to be at work one day or at school one day, and they want to come and blow that motherfucker up or shoot it up. And I'm their homeboy. They're going to tell me, hey, you sit back and you chill. Don't come to school today. Don't come to work today. Because I'm about to see, you know what I mean? Like, you just never know, man. And that's real talk. So all the people out there working these jobs where you got these supervisors who get their rocks off by trying to talk crazy to you because they think they can, man, you got to vibrate higher, man. You got to understand that, you know, you're dealing with people who have emotions and you don't know what they got going on in their life and they don't know what you got going on in your life, you know? And half the time, it ain't nothing personal against you. They just mad about something else. So I definitely forgive that young lady. But I don't, at this point, I don't respect that young lady. Because that situation was totally out of out of pocket, bro. You know what I'm saying? It was out of pocket, bro. And I don't cause no harm with that motherfucker, bro. I do my job and I go home. I hadn't talked to that lady in months. And out of nowhere, she just, pow, zero to a hundred real quick. Talking ignorant, talking reckless. You know, <laughs> you got to give respect to get respect. And, um, you know, by now everybody know about Kobe. I don't even want to take it down and take too much time to talk about it. Because, you know, you know, it's a very unfortunate, very sad situation, man. And I just hate that that man had to die, you know, that way with his daughter and those other people on the plane. You know, just a very unfortunate and tragic you know, situation, man. So right now I'm going to just send a huge rest in peace to uh, to Kobe and his daughter. Man, crazy. Um, now we on the subject of death. Not so much death like that, man. You know, I ain't going to take it down to, you know, one of them roles. But Malcolm X documentary on Netflix, man. The uh, Who Killed Malcolm X documentary. Now, when I say, man, it's crazy, I finished it this morning. I think it dropped, like, yesterday. But um, it's crazy because it goes into in-depth about Malcolm X, the history of him, the the kind of like the history of the Nation of Islam, uh, the Elijah Muhammad, etc., leading up to Malcolm being killed. And I'm going to just encourage all y'all to go check it out, man, because it's crazy as hell. I'm not going to do no spoilers or nothing like that, but I'm going to just say go check it out because it's, I'm going to just... One, one one thing I will say that's kind of like a spoiler is it's crazy as hell that majority of the Nation of Islam, they knew who killed Malcolm X. Like, they knew who's the person who fired the shot that killed him. One man got convicted that was the right person. The other two people that they convicted were totally innocent. 
And I will say, those people that got convicted that were innocent, I would just say the FBI knew they was innocent. The Nation of Islam knew they was innocent. You know what I'm saying? The police force knew they was innocent. The courtroom knew they was innocent. Just watch that documentary, man, and you'll see a crazy story where basically it was just a plot to kill Malcolm X by any means necessary. And a plot where things were tied into one another, man. And when I mean tied into one another, I mean the Nation of Islam. It's kind of tied with the FBI. Kind of tied with J. Edgar Hoover. You know what I'm saying? Man, like I say, it's crazy, bro. Just watch the documentary. It is retarded. The whole time. The whole time. All this time, everybody knew who killed Malcolm X over there, man. And they based it off, they wouldn't say nothing about who killed him because he has to take that up with Allah. He had to take that up with Allah. That's what the the Muslims that, you know, some of the main Muslims that knew about that. They would say that the cat that did it, he has to take that up with Allah, man. But you guys allowed two innocent people that were part of the Nation of Islam to go to jail for about 20 years. 20 years, these two people' lives were ruined. You know what I'm saying? One guy was still alive, the other guy had died by then, by now. Went to jail for 20 years, was innocent. The Nation of Islam knew it, the FBI knew it, the police knew it, everybody in that courtroom knew it. Like I said, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but bruh, check out that Malcolm X, Who Killed Malcolm X? documentary and also if you got it it was on netflix about a month or so ago the actual malcolm x movie documentary about malcolm x life and everything it, it was on there check that out too man a remarkable story you know i'm gonna send a huge rest in peace to malcolm x you feel what i'm saying huge rest in peace bro just crazy really crazy Real crazy, too, on the, the, the contrary with, like, the Nation of Islam and how they portrayed it with the brotherhood and this and that and all that, blah, blah, blah. They take care of everybody, this and that. And the two people that was convicted, like, one of the guys that got convicted of it that was innocent, he went on the record to say, like, yo, they, it's not portrayed like it was supposed to be. It, it didn't end up like it was supposed to be, like it was portrayed. He's like, he went to jail. Nobody reached out to him. On his behalf, nobody tried to take care of his family or help his family or ask his family if they need anything. You know? Just, I don't know, just sad, bro. But check out that documentary, man. Real, real dope. It is Black History Month, you know? So rest in peace, Malcolm X. 100. Now, I stumbled across a show on Hulu named uh, Abandoned. It's by Vice Network. Um, it's probably old. You know, all my Hulu people, all my people that's up on Vice, y'all already, already know about it. It's called Abandoned, where they visit, like, abandoned places, uh, specifically, like, malls and things of that nature, or churches. They had an episode where they visited um, a lot of abandoned schools here in St. Louis, where it's, like, these big, huge schools abandoned. They went inside, X, Y, Z. But the thing that hit home for me was they started visiting abandoned malls and not here in St. Louis, but in other places. And it reminded me of this mall I used to go to when I was younger called Jamestown Mall. And all my St. Louis people, y'all know about Jamestown Mall. I'm talking about my mom would drop me off or me and my homeboy off 
at, man, I'll probably say like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, bro. And we will be there till about 9, 30, 11 <laughs> at night and get picked back up. Or then when one of the homeboys got a car, we would just ride with them, man. Like you would, like literally the mall wasn't that big. But we would walk around that fucking mall all day, hit the food court, get some food, arcade, macking on chicks, all that, man, all that. And then when the mall closed, we had bought a ticket so we can go to the movies, go to the movies, and then you get picked up. That was crazy, man. You know, that was one of them situations where, man, I loved Jamestown Mall as a kid, bro. That was the first time I had an FT. And I'm not talking FaceTime. I'm talking about I felt that tit, boy. You know what I mean? I was in there, hey. <laughs> I was in there wilding, you feel me? First time I got robbed. I'm a, man, I got robbed in Jamestown. Man, it was these cats. Dude, that walked up on me and was like, hey, let me see that watch. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I pulled my hand up. And that dude grabbed my arm and started taking the watch off. Meanwhile, my homeboy was with me. Man, you know, he he ain't really doing nothing because it's like six of them and one of me. Then the other cat that was with them was like, hold on, bro. Leave him alone, man. He he DJ, man. He DJ at the palace, bro. That's the DJ at the palace. Still, you know, then I got my watch back. Cool. You know, because the old boy that saved me. You know what I mean? For remembering me from DJing at the palace. Just some crazy stuff like that, man. You know what I mean? I almost got fucked around and robbed. Then I seen them cats again. At the skating rink, they wanted to bang, but I had my homeboy Aaron with me. We was in high school. Man, in high school, Aaron might have been like 6'2", 300-something pounds. Like, he was a big boy. We, You know, we in that mud. They they trying to circle him around, talking about, you know, they telling him, yo, you know, the bigger you is, the harder you fall. Aaron like, bro, I got you. Don't even worry about it. You know, because they problem was with me for whatever reason it was. It was with me. But, you know, I was the DJ. But I was just out in the open, you know, at, at that certain point um, because I was transferring from, okay, so the way the lock-ins would be set up, it was an 8 to 12, and it was like a 12 to, uh, what time they ended? 6? Yeah, I think 6 in the morning. So I would do the 12 to 6. So um, I just get in there, and I'm waiting to set up this and this, but I was out in the front for whatever reason. Might have waiting for my money. I don't really know. But them cats seen me and walked over there, and my boy Aaron was like, he wasn't having it. He was right there in front of me like, what's happening? Because y'all need all y'all niggas can get it. You know what I'm saying? Then, like, fast forward is crazy because them saying cats, like, one of them cats, I remember one time I was unpacking at this other club, whatever, one of them cats, hey, man, so fly, you need help carrying your records out? No, sir, I don't. Meanwhile, I got security at the end of the stage if I need you to get up out of here. But just crazy how St. Louis work because I'll be real, man, all six of them guys got killed. Uh, years later, and cause I, and I know that because I remember I was DJing at this one club called Club Onyx on the east side. It's hood ass club, um, and it was about two in the morning. And I remember I went from the DJ booth that went to go grab me a beer. Now mind you, at this time I might have been like eighteen, nineteen years old, you know. But I, I was thugging. I went to go grab me a beer at the bar, and to take it back up. And I seen a cat walk by. He had a shirt on with all six of them on there talking about rest in peace whatever whatever so it was like crazy like all six of them got killed bro like that's some crazy shit but yeah the abandoned show it hit home because that jamestown mall for anybody that knows man that was a staple for anybody that jamestown mall used to be so packed bro 
You should be so packed. So many bad little women. That's that's how I learned how to mack on women, man. I might have been, what, 16 going to Jamestown? Fit, nah, I was younger than that because I had a car at 16. And I remember riding around with my boy Rich and he when he first got a car. So I might have been like 14, 13, 14. Damn, okay. Yeah, first time I ever got an attempt to get robbed, I might have been 13 or 14. Whatever. But yeah, man, that Jamestown Mall was like, man, a staple. And now you ride past it now and it's closed. It's abandoned. Uh, there's so many weeds and trees growing in the parking lot and it's closed. You know, uh, fast forward to another mall named St. Louis Mills here in St. Louis. Huge mall. I remember when they built it, it was huge. They were like, oh, it's going to be a skating rink, ice skating rink in here. Uh, you got arcade. You got all these shops, this, this, and that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, go-kart area, all that, all that was in there, and it was dope, I went there a few times, and they built that, if it's 2020 now, they probably built that in, I'll probably say 2011, something like that, like the mall wasn't open that long, and now it's abandoned, I think, yeah, it's, it's slowly getting abandoned, yeah, I think it might be like a few stores left inside of there. But it's it's closing up or it has closed. I forget, man. Somebody I forget what somebody told me about it. But it's just crazy, man. You got situations like that where you got big, huge architecture that opens and then it closes and then you left with that big building just sitting there vacant. Just like the schools. A lot of schools here in St. Louis are big and vacant. And it's crazy. It's really crazy. Especially in the inner city. That's where all the schools are closed. And, uh, and vacant. Now, onto a serious note, um, you know, we as people, we need to be there for our friends. You know, we need to be accountable for our friends and make sure that they are okay mentally. Like, we need to make sure we tap into our friends. You feel what I'm saying? And I say that because I was talking to a friend the other day, and they confided in me that um, they tried to commit suicide about seven months ago. And she went in to tell me about it, and I was just, like, dumbfounded. And I really teared up about the situation because, you know, um, she's one of my really good friends. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, bro, like, I I told her, like, why wouldn't you just come to me and we can talk? We can talk about whatever, you know? Um, But they were having a tough time at the moment, and... That was their reaction of what they wanted. They felt they wanted to do at that time. You know, they made they tried to make a a permanent decision over temporary feelings. And um, it's really disheartening, man. We got to we got to make sure we there for our people. You know, mental health is real, man. We in 2020. We know mental health is fucking real. And I'm going to just say out there to anybody that's going through anything if you know my screen name, you know wherever, you know what I, hey, message me if you want to talk. You feel like you're going through something crazy, you feel like you about to do this, message me. It's been plenty of times I've done that. If I see a status on somebody's page, they talking about some suicide, or they talking about being really depressed, and they ain't got nobody, man, I message they ass. Whether they reply, they don't, you know, or not. I, I message, because I take that shit serious, man. You know, we all go through something in life, man. Some people are better at handling things. And some people aren't, you know. But, um, yeah, we got to be there for our friends, you know. But, um, hey, where we at? 31 minutes. Uh, I guess I'll wrap it up, man. Uh, that's another episode of Fly Respective Podcast, episode number 61. 
Make sure if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, send it to tfpfeedback at gmail.com. That's tfpfeedback at gmail.com. I'm at DJ S-O-F-L-Y-Y on uh, Instagram as usual. And, uh, man, we're going to rock out like this, man. Uh, this song here is by at Nelly Love, N-E-L-L-E-L-O-V-E. It's called Mindfuck. And just a little background about this, man. Uh, last year, I prayed to God, like, hey, I'm about to give up on these beats, man. Give me a sign. And I woke up that next day, and I seen Nelly Love in the studio recording this song right here. And it's called Mindfuck, produced by myself. Hope y'all enjoy it. Fly Perspective Podcast. Nigga 